Hello, everyone. Welcome to our brand new podcast show, For the Love of Books, featuring indie and small press authors who bravely navigate the treacherous waters of independent publishing. I will be your host, Emma, and we're going to have a blast as we move forward to opening up the U.S. on July 4th. It is my pleasure to present to you Xander Cross, who is an author of politically charged mythological fiction. His current series blends Japanese folklore with an environmental message set in a dystopian future. Hello, Xander. How are you today? I am doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> okay. How has your history career, you have a bachelor's in history, right, impacted your writing? Um, I got my bachelor's in history for writing so that I could be a better writer. When did you get your bachelor's? Um, 2006 from so UMBC. So can you say that uh, history fuels your writing? I, I would say my writing fuels everything that I do. Okay. All right. How did you come across Japanese folklore? Um, anime to begin with, uh, and manga. I used to be interested in those, you know, that type of entertainment. And I hadn't actually been into it for a while when I created this series, but it definitely, it definitely had that influence. And I used to like supernatural, I like supernatural fiction anyway. So I would, when I would watch their anime, what I would watch was their supernatural fiction. And that has a lot of things like yokai, which are their blanket term sort of for demons, spirits, supernatural things. And uh, that's... Okay. (laughs) How did you develop your main character over the years? He is in your series, the apocalyptic series, the Atlas series, book one and book two. How did you develop this character? Hyades. Is that the Hyades? (laughs) Hyades. Uh, Hayate. Um, uh, Hayate. 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 Please call Hayate, Hayate um, kind of came out of a couple different things. Uh, one, of the, one of which was an image that I saw when I was doing research for my previous MC that I have a Trump's trilogy for and over a million words for. Um, that one I realized at, in 2016, I was going to have to trunk it for a while. And at that time, Uh, That was around the time of the 2016 election, and I saw that Trump was going to start cutting back on environmental protections, especially for corporations, and taking away different protected land and starting to parcel that out that was originally U.S. protected parkland. And this really depressed me. So when I I ended up looking, when I was working on this other series, I was depressed, and I was like, you know, I'm going to look up some inspo or inspiration photos, you know? Mm -hmm. And I saw this image of this beautiful white kitsune, which is a white fox demon. And I already knew what that was, but this was from an anime I had never seen before. And it just took my imagination. And somehow this image and what was going on at the time merged together so that I created this character in November of 2016. And by January of 2017, I was already starting to create this series. And by two years later, I already had the next book out, that the first book out for it. And it's okay, literally so, the, 
Yeah, it's the fastest I've ever done any series like that in my life. It just poured and flowed. What would you attribute this speed to? Because that's really unusual. Uh, yeah, just it, pour it out. It, I, I, it just did. I started listening to YouTube music with this different like trailer music and start just making scenes. And it was in about two years, I had 3000 years worth of story for this character. And it was incredible. I've never had anything like that happen to me before. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing now is taking this story and now writing it out of, which is going to be 20 books of story to write out that was given to me in two years of just brain, you know, just download dump into my head. So we're talking about this apocalyptic dystopian series, right? Yes. That's gonna be, that will total 20 books when yes. you're done with it. And you already know that, it's all in your head. And so, uh, even less chapters even written. As so, a result of your two year long research. That's pretty uh, incredible. I'm, yeah, the research is still ongoing. I just got all these images in my head and I just created the story. And now I have to do all the research as I go to make it really work and make it work even better than what I envisioned to, and to begin with. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, let's talk about your book, The Origin of the White Wind. I'm gonna first read a review. This book is imbued with folklore, mythology, and fantasy. Its darkness and mystery will leave you wanting more. How dark is this book? It has a white wind element in it. I like the contrasting. How dark is this book? It is bright and dark all at the same time. Um, it's, in a, it's in a world that is very neon lit, I should say, or, or some of it's neon, some of it's LED, some of it's holograms. It's very bright sort of Asian dystopia that is got these really bright scarps, they have skyscrapers and they have all the bright lights and all of this fancy stuff, but it is a very dark series, very dark book series that uh, takes place in the shadows of that world that like lies between all of this bright glitz and in this very dystopic dark world that is also shared with demons. It's kind of like if you imagine if demons were real, like how people imagine ghosts are real and how people when they're superstitious believe demons or ghosts are real. It's like that. It's like imagine a world where that, you know, that those things really are definitely real. They're deaf, but they like to hide like they do in our world. They don't want to be known because that's will eradicate them. So they like to hide and they sort of, you know, hide in the shadows, but they live their lives there. They live, you know, and they feed on us essentially. And this is why people go missing year after year. You know, they, they, they steal people, take them into the shadows and eat them. So. Yeah. So this bad guy, can you give me his name again? The bad guy who falls from grace, who instead Hayate. of develop Hayate. Okay, Hayate. Tell me about him. What, what kind of a role does he play with the good guy? How do they play out against each other? Oh, he is the, he is the, uh, he is the bad guy and the good guy. Anyway, oh, because okay. he is a villain. He is a, this is the, these are the memoirs actually of a, of how this character came to our world and how he's had to live in it from being a divine angelic being who degrades into a demon and now has to live in our world that is a hundred years from now, very polluted, very dark, and he has to survive in this. And as the other side, because that's the only way to survive in this world is to be a demon. And, um, 
each book has a sort of a different antagonist going on. Although mm-hmm. the, in the first four books, the overall antagonists are the Council of Dragons. And the dragons are essentially these characters that they rule megapolises. If you imagine like Asian dragons, like, you know, the kinds mm-hmm. are real long and so they, there are these beneficent creatures. Well, they actually rule these megapolises, but they aren't so kind and nice as people have been led to believe in my books. You know, in my books, they're actually very arrogant, very greedy and very selfish creatures that don't care about people. They don't care about anything. They just want what they want and everyone else is a lesser being. So we all are kind of their serfs and their slaves and we do everything for them. The human population essentially works for them. And the yokai are kind of their army because they're demons, they're tough. They can, you know, they, so they're kind of operate as their armies and they live in this sort of balance that humans don't know about. Humans have no clue about this going on. So it's kind of a conspiracy sort of theory kind of thing where this does exist, but people don't know, just unless they are in the know. And those are called the sanctioned. Those people are like, you know, psychics and people who have actually come into contact with yokai or monsters who have lived in, mon- in houses where they've dealt with haunted hauntings and stuff. These people know that these things are real, but the genu- general population doesn't believe in it. So they can get away with sort of lurking in the shadows and pretending to be human when they're really not. And um, I'm not sure if I answered your question on that, but uh, yeah, like I said, every, every, every book is going to have a, some sort of a different antagonist going on. And it's just how this <laughs> character survives in this world as he turns into a villain. Okay. So how much of you is in your MC? Um, when it comes to our message, um, the environmental message is definitely, that's me. That, that is definitely me. But sometimes he's, he's his own character. He, he is definitely, you know, there, there are times we don't even, I don't agree with him and he doesn't agree with me too. So, mm-hmm. and sometimes he's me. And so I have to be really careful. I'm like, no, we're not going to say that. And he's like, it's true. And I'm like, no, it's okay. We're not saying that. Okay. So I have to kind of rein him in a little because, yeah. So what do you feel you did right with this book? And what would you have done differently, either with the book or with the main characters or both? I don't think I would do anything different with the main character because he's, he's doing real good. Um, I'm actually going to come out with a second edition of this book, hopefully by the end of this year, that cleans up a little bit of some of the, some of the stuff that grammatically I would just like to tighten up. But otherwise, you know, I think that I, I like the work. I think it stands. I mean, mm-hmm. I wish I could have shortened it just a little bit more, but it takes place over the span of the war that sort of sets off these first four books that it's that's so important. So, and I just did not want to rush a war. Okay. So what are the major takeaways from your book? Um, it's definitely environmental. You will see a world that's dark. Um, that 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 what, what what is the result of if we do not actually start curbing ourselves and start act you know start worrying about our future and the future for our generations? Because if we don't, there eventually won't be. We will not be able to survive the world that we are making. It's not not at least in a way that is in is in any way sustainable for future generations. And uh, you know that we have you know we have forest dying. I mean. Do we really want a world without forests where we can't take our kids to, to, to a park to hike because 
we have put so much carbon into the atmosphere and these trees have sucked it so much that they've died and all the forests are dead and now we have nothing and it's just ongoing. I don't, I, I don't want that. So I, yeah, this, that, that is definitely an outspoken message. I'm also outspoken about, you know, human nature, human nature in general, and it's less nice aspects because one of the things I really want to do is invite a conversation. I want people to converse because we can't make solutions if we do not converse, you know? And once we start blaming and hating each other, then we don't have a conversation. We just have a lot of noise. And then there's no solutions. There's just noise. And I want to cut through that, but you know, I'm trying to do it in sort of a fictional way that makes this kind of, you know, I want to entertain you, but I want you to think about these issues as you're reading and really get to feel that inside too. Absolutely. What have you learned about yourself from your writing? Uh, I can always get better and I need to always get and always try. I would say that. Um, and I can't help it. I'm driven. I'm very driven to write what I, whatever I write. I just, I, I, it's like, you know, a lot of people do the, the, the writing prompt thing. I can't do that for me. It's like, I get these images, I get this stuff in my head and I have to write it. I'm compelled. And that's that. Once that happens, once that goes through and, and that passes for me. Okay. What sets you apart from other authors in this genre, in this specific genre that you write? What do you feel makes you unique from other authors? So far, um, except in anime, I really haven't seen cyberpunk mixed with like supernatural stuff. A lot of people do their dystopian, very science fiction. And even when they do it fictional, it's still very real to life. Like Hunger Games, you do not have Pegasuses and unicorns running around in Hunger Games. And I think it would be laughable and ridiculous in a way if Hunger Games, if Katniss is running around on the unicorn, that would be silly. But at the same time, I do want, I mean, and there's no unicorns in this, by the way, I just want to say, but, uh, but I, when it comes to, uh, you know, to this book, I, I wanted it to be, I wanted you to have that real feeling inside when you're reading it that has real issues and people having real feelings going on. But I wanted you to have that, that this is fantasy. So you can have that safe buffer from the real world too. You don't have to, I don't have to, you know, apologize I guess as much as eventually one day I'm probably going to have to I'm expecting that you're but expecting an apology or I'm expecting to have to apologize to people <laughs> for what um for for writing about Asian topics and and things that are actually of concern right now in Asia and okay. yeah there's there's I've, I've been doing a lot of research in the past few months about in, in China specifically and I expect one day I'm probably going to apologize for writing topics that I actually think are actually really pertinent and important. And I'm not going to back down. I'll apologize, but I'm not going to back down. You know, it's like, there I'm sorry. There is a difference but, between yeah. apologizing and backing down. There's a it's big like difference between that. Like, I don't want to offend people. I don't want them to be hurt by what I write. But at the same time, I'm not going to say that things aren't going on that are going on. Because then there's no conversation. There's no solutions. We hide from that, then there's no solutions. And yeah, we do have, I do have to worry about stuff in the USA. I do worry about what's going on in the USA, but I don't think that's exclusive to worrying about what's happening overseas too. I think I can worry about all of it, you know? Yes, because all of it is kind of tied together globally. Yeah, we are, we are all one planet. We are all one people in a way. Absolutely. 
You've published during the pandemic, The Dragon Game in October of 2020. Share with our listeners, how did the publishing go during COVID? How did it impact your book launch, your author's events, your book signings? How did you deal with that? Um, Dragon Game flopped for me because of it. Uh, I think that's part of the reason Dragon Game flopped. I think I did some, you know, I, I, I made some mistakes critically that kind of helped that, but COVID definitely played a part in that. Uh, I'm hoping that as I go and as hopefully I find readers, that people will come to really see what I did with Dragon Game because I'm very proud of it. I thought I really did a great job with how I get to the, did it. And it's like, you know, it's very, very not very well known. And I mean, my series in general right now isn't well known, but especially that book. And it's like, you know, I really did good on that. You know, I feel really, really good inside about that book. But I'm hoping, like I said, that eventually people will come to read it and discover what's going on with the series because, you know, I, I do, I pour my heart into it. I pour every waking minute into it from the time I go to sleep to the time I go from, from waking to sleeping. I just, you know, I want it to be right. I want it to be good. And I want people to be entertained, but I want them to be, you know, become aware of stuff too. Okay. Xander, would you like to read to us from your book, The Origin of the White Wind? Yep. Um, and to give you a setup, this is where my character has gone to New Tokyo. He has actually gone and through, he actually had to get through, go through a sewer to get into the city because it's walled and protected because, you know, in order to keep, they basically take people who are too sick to be in the city and they kick them onto the outside. So if you're too sick or you're not willing to work or you're homeless, you're on the outside. They do not want you inside. That's how dystopian this world is. So he managed to get in through the sewers. And he managed to uh, to find a dragon because the, the, the dragon that's ruling it is kind of mean and nasty and not very nice and wants to would probably do horrible things to him. So he's found another dragon and that and basically fought with all of their yokai to get in a gauntlet. You know, he fought the gauntlet. He got in. And now the, that dragon is going to give him a sales pitch as to why he should join up with that dragon in his group. So. <clears throat> Uh, come, Shiro, your window, Yoda commanded. Let's talk. He led me back out onto the deck of the rowdy club where hot yokai girls and pretty femboys danced in go-go cages, while a large variety of demons drank whatever their choice of poison and leered at them. We have been waiting a long time, Shirokutsune, Master Yoda said. For what, my lord? I asked as we looked out at the assemblage of yokai. For revolution. Why else are you here, submitting yourself before me rather than Hirashi? Because those several thousand-year-old dragons haven't caught up with the age they live in. Their lives are so long, they have lost sight of the future. But our world is quite fragile. Many of us depend upon humanity for survival. The humans are mortal, after all, and they live their short lives swiftly. They adapt and change, create and destroy. Unlike yokai, they are changeable. For over a hundred years, I have told my elders this, but what do they care? If humans overrun and destroy this world, the great old beasts will survive it. The rest of us, he tisked. I may be a dragon myself, Hayatiku, but I am a water elemental and behold the seas and oceans, wastelands of algae, kelp and plastic, dead bleached coral reefs and a radioactive brew of toxicity that little and less can survive it. The food chain has broken. 
demon kind of the sea have been altered into worse horrors to adapt. And many of us are being driven ashore. They in turn eat more humans who grow wise to being prey. And when they do, what then do you imagine will happen? I already knew firsthand. I see, I said quietly, thinking of Aiko and how the villagers came for me in Kazuki. Yoda sighed sadly, shaking his head. Our success depends on a delicate equilibrium of absolute secrecy and legendary fear. That is why the Ayakashi Syndicate works in the shadows beneath the human world. The Council of Dragons has controlled the great cities of the Far East for millennia, using yokai as their hidden arsenal and mankind as their slaves. Yoda looked at me frankly, but none of us will survive in this desolate world of things going like this indefinitely. The old ways, while desirable, are not always the best ways. Civilizations end, humans change things. It is their power, their gift, and their curse. Regardless, the dragons will remain in power, I pointed out. Yoda smiled. Yes, but what over, over what sort of world? I do not know about you, Hayatisan, but I want to live in a better one than what we see around us. As a wild fox, surely you must wish the same. Or why else are you here? I bowed my head. It is as you say. I do not wish to live in bondage to the likes of Hirashi. Yoda smiled again. You are the key instrument I have been waiting nearly a hundred years for, Ayatekon. If you are a if you are all that you promise to be, you shall certainly become my most valuable asset, and you will do quite well for yourself in the bargain. He fixed me with those shrewd dragon's eyes. Do you have the fortitude for what lies ahead of us, Sheed or Yawindo? Hi, I answered at once. Good. Thank you. That was excellent. Xander, are you in the process of publishing an audio book? Um, I am hoping to record one next month. I hope to get a good recording that I'm, Amazon will accept for an audio book. But you're gonna, it's gonna be your voice, right? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Uh, other future writing plans? I mean, this obviously this huge 20 book series, that's huge. When do you think you will finish that? In another 18 years or so. I'm, I'm on book three and I'm writing, I'm on the second draft of book three right now. And uh, I'm gonna get that hopefully out by late November of this year. Okay. That's the On My Oji Gambit, which is book three of uh, the Atlas Dystopia Apocalyptica. And I also have another series, The Trunked One, and I'm starting to crack that open and try to make some headway with that so that I can get that published too. When do you like to write? When do you write? When do you find the time to write? People constantly ask me that question. When do you find the time to write? Do you write at night, during the day, or do you have a specific goal for you know every day like today i'm gonna write five thousand words or it's not how it's bad how you function it's not how you function i work by project by project so with uh like with like right now i'm writing in the app i work usually in the afternoons um the app this afternoon i'm going to be editing after i'm done with this and uh that, that editing will go until probably mid to i guess i'm probably june 20s and then I'll be done that. And, but I tend to write like work in the afternoons for it. 
And what I tend to do, because I have trouble getting myself to write, I tend to push it off. I'll be lazy. It's like, I won't do it. I have to make myself do quotas of between 500 and 1,000 words a day when I'm in a writing sort of situation. So that will be, I usually use like NaNoWriMo to do that because it has like the graphs and I can literally like, I don't feel like writing today. Well, too bad. You have to fill out that graph. You better write today. So um, this probably November, I, while I'm publishing the On My Yoji Gambit, I will be working on writing more of, because I already got part of, more of the fourth book, which is called The Dame and the Sukumanasuji. And um, that will be, that will, that's the last of my new Tokyo art, because this is written in art forms. So you can actually, people will be able to stop if they want to stop along the way. I'm not going to make people read all 20 books to find out, you know, they, they can like, you know, if, they, if they're done with book one, they can stop at book one. If they want to go into book four to find out what happens, if they want to keep going to the end, bless. <laughs> so each book can stand on its own, on its Not own. Exactly. No. So no. I can't pick up book number 16 and know immediately what's going on. I wouldn't be able to do that. No, but if you picked up like, well, I got to think because when I get into the apocalypse, some of them can sort of stand alone, but you would have to, but if you're interested in the character, you would have to go back and read what happened to get him there. But in, when I, once I get into the apocalypse part, each book kind of is its own era of the apocalypse and does kind of stand alone in its context. So book 11, after the solar flare, Takes, it's still kind of attached to the people that he used to know. But from book 12 on, each book is kind of like an era going through. And it will be kind of vastly different. So then you're, if anybody picks it up would be able to probably kind of know what's going on. They, they wouldn't understand who the character is, but they would. He, he's really, you can pick up Hayate pretty quick. He's got a very personable personality. And he is just charming. I wish I had, I wish I could be him. I, I, I wish I could do what he does. He's got the magic. So he, he can just sort of take you along. Me, not so much. <laughs> wow, this is incredible stuff. I'm fascinated by this. Okay, before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors of the show, Doc Shavent and Digital Quill Services for Writers with author Colleen Nye. Xander, would you like to give us your parting shots? Um, I never know what to say during parting shots. Ever, ever, ever. Um, <laughs> Maybe your website, you can give us your, your website or your blog. This is why I do badly. I don't, I forget about my website. <laughs> That's a bad thing and I to forget it. about. <laughs> I know, isn't it awful? All right, so uh, my website is www.ayakashifox.com. It's all one, no spaces. It's just all one thing. Um and that will give you that that is the link to my books that is the link to my gallery of strange cosplay photos it is the the portal to my blog it is the portal to all of my social media links so if you go there you can find me pretty much anywhere and click around there's i, I try to make it pretty so I how about your them. oh sorry no, how about your in-person events are you going to be can people find you in person uh, I will be at an event on October 2nd called Freight Reads in Pasadena, Maryland. And they can find more information about that. Also, 
after the book festival with Diana Plapa, with Plapa's, you know, book festival, after we get done the virtual book fest, then I will be updating and I will be having more information about Freight Reads in October. So. And will you dress up in your costume for personal events? You mentioned only during the summer fest, you mentioned that you're only going to dress up, but I saw you dressed up in the October festival. You did, did. dress up. And that I did was dress awesome. Up. That was awesome. Why would you want to dress up? Um, that means like six hours to get into all that. So if I'm going to dress up, I want to make sure that, you know, we're going to have a time with it because you know, as I said, six hours to get into, and it's an hour and a half to get out of. Do you do your own makeup? Yeah. Wow. And it's extensive. I have to, I have to, do, I have to do a full body shave. I have to tape my face up and all this stuff in my neck pack. And I got to put this wig on and I got and all this makeup and I got to do all this stuff for it. So it's extensive. It doesn't look as extensive, but it takes like. It does. It, it, do, it looks like from Hollywood. Yeah, it, it takes looks two extensive. It, it takes does. two hours to get it takes two hours to shave. It takes two hours to get into makeup. And then it takes about an hour and a half to just get dressed and everything. So and the photos on your website are amazing. Thank you. Check them out. Those are amazing. Who does your art? Would you like to say something about your cover and the title? I would like oh, yeah. to back into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that is Abby Gray. Abby Gray does uh, my art. She's doing the art right now for book three. And I want her for all the first four books, especially because that's my new Tokyo arc. So then that's that's the stuff that actually takes place over in Asia, because from books five on we're books five through 18. We're not in Asia. We're over in America. And then 19, we're over in Asia again. But, but for the first four books, now I definitely want her. She is fantastic. She is so, so, so talented. She goes by Daydream Kitten. I believe she has a, a deviant art as well as she's on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. So uh, Daydream Kitten, she is awesome. She is awesome to work with. She will bend over backwards to get it right for you. So uh, Okay, and the title of your book, how did you come up with the title, The Origin of the White Wind? Um, that's from the character, the character's uh, quote unquote code name when he is a Yakuza with Yoda. Yoda gives him the name Shiroyu Windo, which means the white wind. And that's in reference to the fact that he is a wind elemental spirit and he can has wind powers as well as the fact that he's all white because he's albino. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, here are my parting shots. Buy indie, read indie, and write indie. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you, Xander. Thank, Thank you. you. Good luck with your books and everything. I'm looking forward to your audio book. Thank you. Very much so. Thanks. Thank you so much.